So whatever happened to Sikh terrorism? Hi, this is Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting in Russell, Ontario, Canada. You're listening to Canadian Intelligence, a eh? podcast about national security. Way back when I started my career in intelligence, eons ago, just after the dinosaurs left the earth, uh, we here in Canada were faced with a fairly serious terrorist threat. It's, probably, it's not one that you would have, would have thought. Nowadays, all we think about when it comes to terrorism is Islamist terrorism, increasingly far-right terrorism, maybe even a burgeoning far-left terrorism, you know, anarchists and environmentalists, and dare I say it, First Nation terrorism. But back then, the, the, the key players were Sikh extremists, and they were trying to uh, create an independent Khalistan in the Punjab. They wanted to be independent from India. Of course, Sikhism is a very different religion from the dominant Hinduism in India. And in the large Sikh diaspora here in Canada, we had a fringe element that believed that uh, violence was the only way to get things accomplished. In the wake of the Golden Temple raid at Amritsar in 84, they, of course, assassinated Prime Minister Gandhi. And in 85, in June 85, they carried out what was then the largest single act of aviation terrorism in history, the downing of an Air India flight from Montreal to Mumbai, off, and it was bombed off the coast of Ireland before it landed at Heathrow. This was a serious threat, and it, it occupied very much the attention of CSIS, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, where I used to work in its infancy. Uh, CSIS was created in 1984 under the old RCP Security Service, and it was faced with this significant threat of, of Canadian Sikh extremists who wanted to carry out attacks not only abroad, but also in Canada. One journalist who has followed this for a very, very long time is Terry Malevsky, who used to work for the CBC for many, many years. And he got himself in a bit of hot water in that he had a documentary back in 2006 in which he talked about Canada's Sikh community and talked about their support for terrorism. And uh, the World Sikh Organization actually sued the CBC at the time for defamation, slander, and libel. It didn't go anywhere, but uh, in the podcast, is, or the documentary is still available. And I'm delighted to have with me uh, Terry Maleski on the podcast today to talk about Sikh terrorism and, and his views on it. So, Terry, uh, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm glad to do it. Let's go back to the early days, Terry. What was it that got you into journalism Canada in the first place? Oh, that's easy. Uh, see the world. Uh, didn't have any money, wanted to see the world, and uh, stumbled upon uh, a line of work that where they pay you to see the world. Not only do they pay to let you see the world, they pay you to do it and to blab about it when you get home. So uh, that was that was the, the line of work for me. And uh, I, I think I filed from about 52 countries. Those are the ones I remember anyway. Uh, and so I, I, I think I did what I set out to do. As simple as that, right? It's a paycheck and it's a way, like you said, to see places. That, it's funny you mentioned that, Terry, because I had the same experience when I joined CSIS is that they would send me around the world to talk to our counterparts about terrorism. I visited more countries than I, I even knew existed back at the time. So we have, a, I guess, like a common element there. More narrowly, Terry, you, you reported from around the world on you know many different posts. You've been in you know throughout uh, you know in Jerusalem and Europe and the Middle East, South America, etc. What was it about Sikh terrorism, though, that grabbed your attention and 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 eventually got you in a bit of hot water later on? Well, the um, uh, I guess the short answer is uh, happenstance. It just just is pure coincidence, really, that I I just happened to be the junior guy on duty uh, covering the weekend um, when Air India was blown up. Oh, wow. uh, in, 19, in 1985. And so they called me at my home in Ottawa and said, get on a plane. 
And off I went uh, to Ireland, landed at Shannon Airport, drove down to Cork, met some of the victims' families. It was a horrifying experience. And um, then it happened years later that I happened to be based in Vancouver when the criminal trial yes. uh, of the in the Air India bombing began in 2000. Uh, that went on for the better part of five years, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, that became a regular story of mine. Uh, and then it happened that I was based once again in Ottawa when the judicial inquiry began. So I covered right. that. So it, as a result of that, you know, eight, eight or nine, better part of a decade spent in judicial proceedings, either the criminal trial or the judici- judicial inquiry, uh, collecting massive amounts of information. I mean, tens of thousands of documents, uh, wiretap transcripts from right. CSIS, uh, uh, surveillance reports, again, from CSIS, uh, and uh, live testimony uh, by witnesses, in the end, some hundreds of witnesses, uh, about what actually happened. And uh, the, the, all this information, these gigabytes of stuff on my hard drive, um, is valuable, and people should know it. And so, the, uh, and, and at the end of all of this, I felt a certain amount of shame as a Canadian that we had dropped the ball, mm-hmm. uh, that we had dropped the ball really badly, first by not preventing the bombing in the first place, when, uh, as you well know, CSIS had the suspects under surveillance. Yeah. Uh, and were wiretapping them before the bombing, and secondly, after the bombing, and failing <clears throat> through the justice system to give the victims' families a full measure of justice. Exactly. So I thought that was worth writing about. You mentioned you know, CSIS wiretaps and CSIS intelligence. Now, normally, obviously, as a journalist, uh, the current leaks on Chinese political interference notwithstanding, it's not normal for a CBC journalist to have access to very sensitive intelligence. I'm just curious... More of a side question than anything else, Terry. How did you view, you, told, you said the information was valuable and needed to be shared with Canadians. What difference did that make to have this very, very sensitive source of information on a very serious threat in Canada in terms of your, not only your understanding uh, of Sikh extremism in Canada, what we knew about it, what we didn't know about it, but the way, a better way to inform Canadians as to the nature of the threat? Well, it made all the difference in this respect that most people to this day uh, sort of foggy on this because of what happened in the justice system, yeah. uh, where uh, tons and tons of what seemed like extremely convincing evidence was thrown out on technical grounds. I won't get into the legalities of it, um, but uh, witnesses were threatened, uh, witnesses were murdered, uh, and uh, recanted on the witness stand. Said, no, 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 I'm not going to repeat my story because I'm right. afraid I'll be killed. Right. Uh, and uh, to, to have that uh, lingering doubt out there among the public that, well, maybe we, we don't really know what happened. Well, when actually we do know what happened, it was just that the justice system didn't take cognizance of that, didn't yeah. recognize that. Uh, the rest of us did. And we've got the information to prove it, and that makes a difference. Yeah, you know, well, you're preaching to the choir here, Terry. I mean, I've been complaining for for decades now that a intelligence is not well understood; it's not used properly. We're seeing that in big terms now with the Trudeau government's complete denial that there's Chinese political interference in our elections back in 2019, and we have a prime minister who does who admits he doesn't read intelligence. That's a that's a whole other podcast. I'm not going to drag into that. 
But, but getting back to the Sikh issue, Terry, uh, you, you say you, you were there, you were the guy on duty on the weekend when Air India happened in 85, but you've been rather tenacious in following this. Uh, you know, you wrote a paper back in 2020 called Khalistan, a project of Pakistan that was published by the McDonnell Laurie Institute and then sued again by another Sikh organization. And more interestingly, I remember very, very, very um, closely, you had a fascinating interview with the leader of the New Democratic Party, the NDP here in Canada, Jaimeet Singh, who is a Sikh. And I recall you basically challenging him on the notion of Sikh extremism and Sikh terrorism and asking him if, in fact, he denounced this particular brand. Can you walk us through that interview and, and sort of your, your, your opinions and your memories of that? That did serve to kind of crystallize a, a, a lot of uh, loose threads about this issue, didn't it? Well, I'll give you the short version. Uh, I gave him five opportunities. I asked him five times uh, to uh, – so it just so happened, again, it happened since I was hosting the politics show that day, the day after he won the leadership of the NDP. And I asked him, since I knew that he had been a, a, a hardline uh, Sikh activist, uh, right. an activist on Sikh causes uh, throughout his career and rising up through the Ontario legislature, right. uh, I knew that, that uh, th this was a problem, that uh, a number of Sikh temples, uh, most significantly the one in Surrey, B.C., called the Darshmesh Darbar Temple, Mm -hmm. uh, glorified the chief uh, architect of the Air India bombing as a great hero and a martyr, right? Uh, with a great big martyr poster on the outside of their temple. Uh, and um, the fact that uh, politicians went to annual Vaisakhi parades at this temple and kind of looked the other way and smiled and waved because they liked the votes um, uh, had always... Uh, Got got in my craw. I mean, it was it was an offense. Yeah. It was kind of obscene, really. Uh, this was the I knew from the facts laid out in the trial that uh, this man was a psychopathic killer. He blew up uh, and f ended the lives of three hundred and thirty-one completely innocent uh, civilians who had nothing whatsoever to do with his quest for an independent state. Exactly. Uh, it was an act of madness, and here he was being glorified and held up as a model for Sikh youth uh, and a great Shaheed or martyr. Yep. And so I asked Jagmeet Singh uh, whether that was appropriate in his view to, to glorify this man. That would seem like a really easy question. I mean, just even, think even about Even for it. a politician, pretty yeah, easy. Yeah, 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 a really easy question. Here's a dumb journalist asking you <laughs> if you will condemn Canada's worst ever mass murderer. Is that a hard question? No, it's not. And uh, uh, he, he ducked it, changed the subject. And uh, uh, as I say, I gave him five chances to answer it, and he wouldn't. Uh, he wouldn't go there. There's something about denouncing a mass murderer that he, he, just, he just couldn't do. Uh, and uh, it happens that five months later, uh, after trying to suggest, that, well, the, the question was racist, I mean, yes. I've asked the same question of Trudeau and a host of provincial politicians of all flavors and colors. And uh, uh, it happened that after five months, Jagmeet Singh did finally acknowledge, not that it was wrong, he didn't say that it was wrong to put up posters of uh, Talwinda Palmar, the architect of the Air India bombing, but he acknowledged that Palmar was indeed the bomber and that wow. had been so, he had been so named by the judicial inquiry. 
so it was a bizarre experience, though. I mean, it, it, you know, if you sit back and wonder, you know, under what circumstances, what, what circumstances could there possibly be where a politician, a national politician in a G7 country just has a really hard time saying a bad thing, a bad word mm -hmm. about a mass murdering psychopathic terrorist. Yeah. I do recall, like I said, the interview like it was yesterday, Terry, and you can see him. You know, I get that politicians say all kinds of things because they've got different uh, you know, audiences they're trying to reach. And as you said, there's a lot of votes in the Sikh community. But as you said, this should have been a this was a softball, no brainer question. And the fact that it took him so long. I, I also found it interesting that you were accused of being racist. We're seeing that right now, in fact, with. You know, even even the prime minister has said that if you criticize Chinese political interference in our elections, you're being an anti-Asian racist. So that that that's a whole other issue. I don't want to get go down that pathway. But okay, so Air India, you know, it 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 happened. What Jesus, 30, 38 Seven, years ago yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, do you think? Okay, memories are short. I get that. I mean, as somebody whose career began in intelligence the year before Air India, when I worked with CSE. Obviously, it means a little more to me and the fact that I worked in counterterrorism. But do you think this memory is dead? Do you think most Canadians, well, most Canadians probably don't obviously remember it because they weren't born then. But do Canadians care enough about what happened back in 85? Or is this, you know, that was a long time ago. Things have changed. We've moved on. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Well, uh, certainly there is an element of that. I think people are tired of the subject. Um, it was on the front page at the time. It was on the front page again during the criminal trial, It was, uh, which came to nothing in the end. Uh, and it was on the front page again during the judicial inquiry, uh, which came down very hard on governments of both parties uh, and CSIS and the police and all they, they, everyone messed up, mm -hmm. according to the report of the judicial inquiry, which uh, put it quite mildly in my view. Um, and... I think that Canadians have had enough of the Air India matter. Uh, it is, as you say, a long time ago, and they're not really interested in revisiting now, not least because it doesn't portray Canada in a very good light. Yeah. And secondly, because uh, to, to some degree, they're patsies for the lying uh, that uh, prevails among the tiny minority of the Sikh community, which is Khalistani. It's always mm -hmm. very important um, to draw the distinction. Uh, you can't use the word Sikh and Khalistani interchangeably. Right. It's not the Sikh community that did no. this. No. The Sikh community overwhelmingly, 98% or so, uh, opposes the Khalistani agenda. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the separatists got 2.5% of the vote in Punjab, where millions of Sikhs live. It's a mm -hmm. Sikh majority state in India. And uh, the, uh, the only separatist party running got two and a half percent of the vote in the last election, and uh, I think 0.3 of a percent of the vote in the election before that. So wow. the, the support for this among the Sikh community, we have to be very clear, is microscopic. It's pitifully low. Right. I mean, uh, nota, none of the above, which is a category in Indian elections, got more than the separatists. <laughs> right? So it's like, like being beaten by the rhinoceros party or something <laughs> in, in, in a Canadian election. So, and people don't really realize that. And they think, oh, well, Terry's being mean to the Sikhs. No, I don't talk about the Sikh community. I don't do stories about the Sikh community. I do stories about the Khalistani community, the, right. that tiny minority which supports this agenda and which propagates to this day 
out, the most outrageous lies. I mean, they're running this referendum now to try to get people to come out and vote for an independent state. That is, people who are seek uh, uh, are being asked to vote for an independent state. You know, it doesn't really mean anything, but they're trying. And you know, what's wrong with that? They say, oh, well, we had nothing to do with uh, with terrorism. Oh, that's interesting because the organizers of the referendum. Uh, made an announcement when they started their referendum campaign that the campaign headquarters would be named the Shaheed by Talvinda Singh Parma Voting Center. Oh, wow. What? They named their voting center. They named their campaign headquarters and drew up glamorous, heroic posters to make the Air India bomber the poster boy for the referendum campaign. That tells you where they're at. Interesting. You know, just as a, a sidebar, Terry, you talk about the fact that, yes, we're not labeling the Sikh diaspora here in Canada or elsewhere, for that matter. They're not the, you know, overwhelmingly in favor of this. It's the same way with Islamist terrorism, right, is that we're not saying Muslims are terrorists. We're saying a very tiny fringe of the Islamic community happened to believe in, you know, terrorism as a viable and, in fact, obligatory method for, for making their point. So, Terry, um, I, you don't work in intelligence, but you still follow this issue. Do you think that Sikh extremism and at the sort of the pointiest end of the stick, Sikh uh, terrorism, the desire and willingness to use violence for an independent Khalistan in the Punjab, is it dead in Canada? Or do you think that there's a very real possibility we could see possibly in the near to mid future more acts of violence carried out by this very tiny fringe to further their cause? It's not dead. Uh, but but I'll qualify that if I may. Uh, it's not dead because there, there are certainly uh, this sort of small minority. Uh, uh, I mean, it's always the same eight people who you know yeah. threaten to sue you and then never show up in court and that sort of thing, uh, and 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 put out um, uh, loud statements uh, denouncing everybody who criticizes them as racist. Yeah. And, uh, and graffiti artists go out at night and daub slogans on Hindu temples and this sort of thing. It, it, it's clearly it's not dead. There are nuts out there who, to this day, will you know will put out tweets saying, "Oh well, and the casualties on the Air India bombing, you know, they were clear that was unintended. We were liberation fighters. We weren't terrorists. We were liberation fighters. Totally different." Um, and, uh, you know, you put a bomb on a plane and, and the casualties are unintended. Exactly. I mean, raving lunatics. <laughs> and they are still out there and they're dangerous and they have a following and they muscle and threaten those who criticize them within the community. Uh, you, you, will, you will often be surprised if you go looking for how, how, how quiet the wider community is, although they, they, they're not interested in an independent state. They nevertheless don't say so very loudly right. because uh, right. you know you this they can be pushing and shoving at the gurdwara yeah. Uh, yeah. you know and so on so yes it still exists but and it's a big but uh they're no closer to creating Palestine than they ever were exactly and that is a very it's a very distant prospect it's not even constitutional in india for the national government to even contemplate to countenance uh, uh, breaking up India in any sense at all, uh, India's territorial integrity and sovereignty uh, is considered sacrosanct under the Constitution. It's not like in Canada; you can't just get, have a referendum because you want it. They banned the referendum uh, within the borders of India. Uh, they've criminalized the whole enterprise and uh, d- uh, consider its organizers to be terrorists. 
but then no, the, the movement is absolutely as far away from creating an independent state as it ever was because of the microscopic level of support that I described earlier. Mm -hmm. But they are still exercising influence on the wider community by threats, by bullying, and by lies. Mm -hmm. They're still at it. Mm -hmm. I think what scares me in a way, Terry, is that this grievance that they have, that this independent homeland has never been granted, India is, is obfuscating and blocking it. That's what worries me, because you could say the same thing for any number of Islamist extremist movements who want X, Y, or Z to happen. They want the withdrawal of foreign troops or whatever kind of thing. They want these parts of the world to abide by their version of Islam. And even if that goal has never been met and is showing, as you said in the Sikh example, not even close to being met, that does serve as a possibility for violence down the, down the road. Terry, when, before we started the podcast, we were chatting and you were saying how busy you were with, uh, you know, India, India media. Uh, look, you know, they call you up all the time. They ask you for, you know, for interviews and things like that. What is it? What is your, your views on Indian interest uh, in the Sikh problem? And I'll just add to this that there have been accusations that Indian intelligence has been monitoring Sikh communities here in Canada, which doesn't surprise me because well, that's what Indian intelligence services do. They've accused Canada of being lax in this regard. Is there still a, a high interest in India as to the Sikh extremism movement, and hence why they're asking you to weigh in on it? They're weighing in on it. They want as many people as possible to weigh in on it because they are extremely worried. Mm. See, what people in Canada and Australia and Germany and the UK and other places with large sea communities uh, have not really grasped to this day is something they didn't pay much attention to back in the day, namely the absolutely massive, the grotesque size of the death toll uh, that was inflicted upon the Punjab principally mm -hmm. uh, by the Sikh insurgency back in the 1980s and the early 90s. Mm -hmm. In India, they remember that. Mm -hmm. We don't. It didn't happen here. We looked the other way. Oh, yeah, the Air India bombing. Yeah, we remember that because it affected Canadians. Most right. of the passengers who were killed were Canadian citizens. Exactly. Uh, but we don't remember what happened in India where more than 20,000 people were killed, mm -hmm. mostly, by the way, Sikhs who, who yeah. stood in the way of the insurgency and of the Khalistan project. Yeah. And um, I mean, by comparison, for example, I, I mean, I, I tried to find some comparison. I looked around, I looked at, for example, at the Irish troubles, which, you know, were in the headlines for 30 years, uh, killed thousands of people. Uh, and I, I added, it up, added it up and I determined that the Sikh insurgency in the 80s and early 90s took six times as many lives in less than half the time. That's astounding. It was an extremely bloody conflict. So that's one reason why, yeah, uh, your phone rings if you have something to say about uh, the uh, Sikh insurgency uh, back then and its uh, threatened revival, at least in cyberspace, today. That's that's why they call, because they re they don't want any repeat of that. And as recently as about a month ago, uh, a new young hotshot preacher uh, <coughs> who had accum accumulated, excuse me, a little private army, a militia of uh, men with guns driving around Punjab, preaching uh, Khalistan again. Uh, we need an independent state. Mm -hmm. I got Amritpal Singh. He's on the run now from, from justice in Punjab. And so there's a good reason why they don't want to see a resurgence of the Sikh insurgency. 
and why the, that that fear is very real today. Well, well, yeah, and I'm not surprised. And and as you say, we live in an, an era now where we here in Canada can't even label things properly. That that report that came out, I believe, in 2020 or 2019, of Public Safety Canada, which talked about Sikh Sikh extremism, and then due to opposition by the Sikh community, it had to be removed, and they called it South Asian extremism, as if we're talking about the Maldives or something, or Lord knows what. Uh, Terry, Terry, this has been an absolutely fascinating look at a, an issue, which, as you said, uh, you know. Dominated the headlines in the early 80s, uh, given the enormity of the loss, uh, Canadian denial that is happening. And I really appreciate you sharing with my listeners your perspective on things as somebody who was there from day one and has still maintained an interest and, and a great deal of knowledge and perspective on these things. And uh, thank you for your service to our country with, with your days of the CBC. And thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Well, thanks for calling. I appreciate it very much. So that was my conversation with veteran CBC reporter Terry Malewski on Sikh extremism here in Canada and abroad. What do you think about this? Are we too sensitive to talk about this issue? Is Sikh extremism something that should be a, maybe a priority for the security services? Love to hear your feedback. You can reach me on email, borealisrisk at gmail.com or on Twitter at borealisaves. You'll also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you like the content, want to get more, please subscribe. It's free of charge. Maybe some ideas for future podcasts. We'll talk again soon. Until then, take care.